0: We're continuing our series on preparing for the last days, and I wanted to just uh, talk about an aspect of walking with God that can definitely be applied to the last days. Um, And you know, when we consider the trouble that is going to come upon the earth, and in reality, the trouble we all face at various seasons and times in our life, and anyone who seeks to walk with God is going to experience difficulty and and so forth. But one of the premier chapters uh, in the Lord is, or in the Bible, in, in walking with God is about faith. You know, we, we talk about Hebrews 11 and we call it the faith chapter because it's it's a picture and it's kind of a list of people who walked with God and they overcame and triumphed and obtained something glorious, and I just want to consider that concept of, you know, the heroes of faith and the faith they obtained to walk with God in their great tribulations that they experienced in their lives, and and so that you know the heroes of faith are are listed in Hebrews eleven, people like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham. Uh, you know, many other saints in the Old Testament Gideon, Samson, David, Samuel. There are even some ladies in, listed in there too, right? Rahab, Sarah. And, and then and it talks about women who received their dead raised to life again. You know, many saints who triumphed because of faith they had operating in their lives. And that's what links them all this quality of faith. They had faith that like Jesus described uh, in the Gospels, he often said, you know, faith moves mountains. You can say, well, we're going to read the the verse where he says, say to that sycamore tree, be removed and be planted somewhere else. And say to that mountain, be removed. Or as it says in Hebrews 11, 33, it says these saints, and it lists what they did. it says they, it'll, that faith allowed them to subdue kingdoms, obtain promises, close the, the mouths of lions. For some, it allowed them to escape the sword. In weakness, they were made strong. They defeated their enemies. And so you know, in the last days, there's an aspect of faith where there's faith to do mighty things. Mighty works for God great deliverance. We also read this in Hebrews eleven thirty-five. It says, for others, they received faith to endure. In fact, it says specifically, they received faith not to be delivered. I think about that one for a minute. You know, we want to be spiritual and overcomers and more than conquerors. And God's saying to, to someone in a, in a specific situation, I'm giving you faith not to get out of this one. But to, you know, and some of them didn't get out and they were taken to heaven. God gave them faith for that. Faith to endure, even faith to suffer. But it's for an ultimate purpose, as we see in verse 35, that they may, might obtain a better resurrection a better resurrection by the work of faith. Well, we, that's something we want to pay attention to. We want to have working and operating in our lives because we want a better resurrection. I don't exactly understand how it works, especially for the latter group, right, where <laughs> the mechanics of how going through difficulty relates to a better resurrection in a, in a practical manner. Sometimes you're going through hardship and it seems pretty disconnected for how this works for our good, you know, and, and a better resurrection. But there it is in the Bible in Scripture of God working. That's, that's a part of the mystery of faith and God working in us and how he can turn all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It's a divine work being done in us, and, you know, a divine work being done in us means our pathway becomes brighter and brighter under the perfect day. And I want to look at the idea of faith being worked out in our lives and having, you know, walking in this kind of faith um, by considering the premier apostle of the Lamb, Peter. You know we're familiar with Peter's uh, different experiences in the gospel, and you know one of them was after the Passover meal, and Jesus kind of ends that meal. You might say on a downer. Well, at one aspect, he he raises the bar as he travels, you know, to Gethsemane, giving his discourse and says many wonderful things. But one of the things that kind of affected the disciples and Peter is when he said. Uh, in Matthew 26, he said, "You're all going to be offended because of me." How would you like that? The Master says, "You're going to be offended. <laughs> you're you're going to mess up. You're not going to do well in that in that you know." And and of course, Peter has that famous response in in Mark 14:29, and here's where he gets in trouble. He says, "And remember, there's only the the 11 other disciples. Judas is gone, so there's Peter." And the ten other disciples there, and so he can only be looking at them when he says, "Lord, though all others be offended, not me." He kind of opened himself up to that on that one. And then there's uh, that something that the Lord says to Peter that's very significant in Luke 22 and. And I think it gives us a better perspective of what Jesus was really concerned about with Peter, because we know Peter is about to go through a big trial. In Luke 22, you know, we're kind of looking over the spectrum of all the Gospels here. Well, at least three of them. And so here's something else Jesus said. He said, uh, The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, in Verse 32, and it says, But I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. And it goes on this, you know, about Peter saying that he would follow the Lord anywhere. And Jesus says, Well, for the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Uh, but I think what's significant here is what Jesus is saying he's praying for for Peter. Because you might think, well, he's going to pray for him that he doesn't mess up. No, that's not what he prays for. He says, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. That's what he was really concerned about with Peter. Peter was about to go through a trial, partly from his own making, because of what he said, you know, though all others forsake him. Well, now he got, his trial got ramped up a bit. And, but, you know, He did not, Jesus was not praying that Peter wouldn't mess up, but he was praying that in that test, his faith would hold steady. His faith would be maintained, would not fail. And so Jesus was asking his father, help Peter hold on to his faith, not to become so discouraged and overwhelmed that he would give up the faith. You know, Pastor Bailey was, we were asking him, we'd often ask him questions about heaven and different things, experiences he'd had, and and so forth. And and one time he quoted this scripture on Peter, you know, that we just read about uh, I prayed that your faith wouldn't fail. And he was saying, you know, heaven's perspective, heaven is not really as concerned about the type of trials we go through, because we're gonna go through many different trials some you know at a low level for a long time some short and intense some longer and intense but what heaven is concerned about is that that we wouldn't lose that substance in our heart that we wouldn't lose faith that we wouldn't want to give up you know our trust in the living god our belief is that faith that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him I read uh, another account about a lady who had a dream or a vision of heaven, and it kind of went along with what Pastor Bailey was saying. And And in that vision, uh, she was asking the Lord some questions. Now, keep in mind, this is just her account of what happened. This is not saying this is gospel or anything. But I thought it interesting that she asked the Lord, Lord, do you pray for people's sickness, that they're healed? And this was what God responded to her, basically from this verse. He said, um, the Lord responded that he, that is not exactly what he prays for. It's, uh, he, he said that he prays for that their faith would not fail. That seems to be a fairly consistent theme with heaven. They're concerned about the faith that's operating in our hearts. They, yeah, they are concerned about the trials and the tribulations we're going to, how we're feeling in our soul, but what matters most that that faith is still working that we're not losing that faith that substance because of discouragement or doubt or fear or worry they're most concerned about our faith that it's growing that it's increasing that those experiences we go through whether pleasant or hard that they're for a purpose that our faith would always be growing Notice another thing it says back in Luke chapter twenty-two, it says uh, he's warning Peter. Peter, Satan had is seeking to do something. He's desiring to sift you as wheat. That's kind of an interesting concept. Is you know Satan is out there with a sifter trying to sift something out of us, and it's really our faith. He's trying to anything he can do whether to entice us or to overwhelm us or to you know, trick us, anything he can do to, to try and sift that faith and that belief and that trust out of our hearts towards God, then he's got us. Satan is out there with his sifter. That's the whole goal of the enemy. If he can destroy our faith in God and his promises, in his goodness, in who in our belief in who he is, then he's satisfied. But if we can hold on to that, then we triumph. We might go through failures and setbacks, but you know what? At the end of the day, that didn't really matter how big Peter's failure was. I mean, it's not that we want to go out there and failing and and so forth. What matters is that he was able to continue in faith and get back on track and be used by God. And he, he was the rock upon which Christ built his church because he did not lose his faith. He held on to it. And continued in it. So sometimes we can be up and down, but the whole key is not to lose our faith, but to let it allow God to continue to cause it to grow in us. Might be good to give a proper definition of faith, right? That that faith really means to have a trust or a firm reliance, a divine confidence in God. And this is divine, right? Because we're not talking about well, I just need to believe more or I just need to, to think better. You know, it's it's a divine thing. Hebrews 11 tells us it's a substance. It's a divine substance from God that is in our hearts. It's not just an ethereal concept out there because then we can make it up, right? But it's, it's firm. It's a divine trust in God. And um, of course, we're familiar with the Verse in Romans ten and verse seventeen, that it's it's representative of something we receive from heaven, and I don't know if you could call it a vehicle by which faith comes. But uh, Paul says in Romans ten seventeen, for so faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so we want to be people of faith. If that's true, if that's true, then we want to be people who hear the word of God because that causes our faith to, to enter, to help it to remain and to grow. And so there's such power in the Word of God. It's powerful to produce faith. It's powerful to increase the faith we have. And that's why we want to take every opportunity to receive from the Word, you know through reading it, through being exhorted uh, by it, and you know allow the Lord to speak to our hearts from it, It causes little seeds to be planted that can grow into something mighty. Now, there's another instance in the Gospels where the disciples were talking to Jesus and they asked him a question. And this was in Luke uh, 17 and verse 5. It says, The apostles said unto the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. We want to have more faith. And the Lord said, if you have the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, you might say to this tree, the sycamore tree, be plucked up by the root, be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. It's interesting that Jesus is referencing that mustard seed um, after they asked that question, increase our faith. He'd already spoken the parable of what we'd call the mustard seed in Luke 13. He said it's the smallest of seeds, but it becomes the greatest of trees in the garden. You know, the garden of our heart is kind of that inference. It, You know, that tiniest of seeds. I don't know if you've ever held a mustard seed, but they are tiny. You know, I, I, I think I've shared about this with the parable is one time we were in a service and a pastor actually handed out mustard seeds and he said, I challenge you, see if you can still have it by the end of the service. And I lost mine. I just like, it, it was gone because it was so small and hard to keep track of. But, you know, that's kind of an illustration of the seeds of faith God gives to us. If we don't, if we're not careful, it can just fly off if we're not holding on and developing and and, you know, nurturing that faith within us. And so Jesus was saying you can have the smallest of seeds, but it can become something mighty in the garden of our heart and produce much fruit. but I want us to understand something about this illustration that shows us how we have to respond to faith. And this is where really the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Because Jesus said that, you know, faith like that little seed, there's something that has to happen to that seed in order for it to produce life. John 12, 24. Truly, truly, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat, a kernel of wheat, except that seed, that little tiny seed of faith, unless it goes into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it goes into the ground and dies, experiences that death, it brings forth much fruit. And so the fruit of faith can never develop and never grow without that yielding to being put into the ground. And dying sometimes God can give word after word and speak to us and nothing happens but it's because the seed hasn't died through surrendering through yielding a complete surrender to God where we we're willing to say okay Lord I give up not my will but your will be done I'm gonna surrender my ideas what I think is right what I want to hold on to and trust that you know what's best for me. And when we do that, we're plunging that seed into the ground with Christ, who was put into the ground, into that tomb, and we're entrusting it to him, and then he brings life from it. You know, when we, God can give us all the seeds, we can have a bag full of those little seeds, but until we entrust them to Christ, if we're holding on to our own will, It'll only ever be a bag of seeds. But when we entrust it to Christ and say, Lord, not my will, but your will. I'll do it your way. I'll follow you in this. That's when, even though it's disappearing into Christ, he brings the life. I was just considering the thought of Moses. You know, Moses was one of the greatest servants of the Lord of all time. I mean, because he's, he's one of the two uh, standing before the Lord of the whole earth, you know, him and, and Elijah. He led Israel through the wilderness, gave the law. But I was, I was just thinking, how did it begin with him? What was the very beginning of this great man and, and his service to the Lord? Uh, and even before he could even have a choice in the matter, there was something that happened to him. Well, it started with his mother. He was born, she hid him for a little bit until she couldn't hide him anymore. And then she surrendered him to the Lord. She put him in that basket and said, Lord, I can't take care of him, but you can. And she put him in that basket and released him into the river. And she was releasing it from her hands for all she knew he could die. In that river. I mean, that's not exactly the safest thing to do. Let's, okay, let's put the baby in a basket in the river and let her float down. I mean, that was not a guarantee of a good life. But as she let go, we know the story. Moses floated into the hands of the, the daughter of Pharaoh. And he was, he was received into a place of authority, of position that helped prepare him to be the man of God that he became. But she surrendered him to the Lord. And so it all started with yielding to God and his ways. That's when faith can become a fruitful tree. And back to that thought of Peter. You know, we can talk about Peter's failure, but in reality, he was a man of faith. Uh, he, He knew what it was like to step out in faith. And, you know, sometimes we can talk about Peter, you know, the story of him, uh, sinking in the water as he's trying to walk to Christ. Um, I, I, but really, I think it's remarkable because he was the one who said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you and I'll I'll step out and I'll start walking on water with you. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'd even now have had the faith to do that unless the Lord initiated it and said, come to me. But Peter, he had faith to ask for that. I mean, that's why I think he's, you know, one of the, the great men and women of faith so to, in that sense. You know, I know he sunk, but hey, <laughs> I don't know that I wouldn't either and that, if I started looking at the wind and the waves. But Peter was willing to respond to the voice of God and yield to him even at the danger of his own life. But in this account, we also see something that is the enemy of faith. Right? Because he stepped out in faith of that boat and he was doing well until he looked around at the wind and the waves and it, I think he had a moment of pause and said, what am I doing? And fear entered into his heart. And as soon as that fear came in, he started to sink down. Jesus, help! And Jesus lifted him right up. You know, Peter saw those wind and waves and fear came in and he started to sink because fear destroys the work of faith fear destroys faith and so that's something we have to watch for and we talked about you know not fearing what the world fears uh, in an earlier message we won't get too far into that but but I love what David King David shares in Psalm 34 and this is just something we can turn to and we can make our cry Psalm 34, for us, David says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. There's not a lot of room there to reserve some things that are the hard ones. He said, Lord, you delivered me from every fear so that he could be in perfect peace. And that's something, you know, that God wants to bring us to. And this shows us faith is not just a one way connection. But faith, if it's going to be fully formed in us, we have to cry out to God, Lord, would you deliver me? Deliver me from those fears, from those struggles, from those worries that keep me from yielding to you and, and putting that seed into the ground so that I can have fruit and life. David's testimony was that God was the one who delivered him from all his fears. And of course, we know from 1 John 418, that fear doesn't need to remain because perfect love casts out fear. So we can cry out, Lord, deliver me from those things that will keep me from surrendering to you and destroy the work of the fruit of faith. And then we have Peter's uh, admonition or the admonition to Peter. You know, sometimes you wonder, why was it Peter that was chosen? Right? We know he had his difficulties, but I think it was because he was a man of faith who could receive it and then use it, plant it, and God could use him to be fruitful and transmit it to others. Jesus said to him in Luke twenty-two thirty-two, 32, he says, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail, so that when you're converted, you'll strengthen your brethren. Here's the whole purpose of faith, that we will be a strength to other people, an example to other people. You know our job is really to strengthen and edify one another's faith. If someone's weak in faith, we can pray for them and encourage them in faith. If we're weak, it goes the other way. The more faith we have, the more he can use us and work through us. Just like the parable of the mustard seed, it became a great tree. and, it, and in that parable, it says, the birds of the earth could come and find shade under it. It was a, you know that those who walk by faith are a blessing to those around them. And that's why I like considering Peter's life. He, he was a man just like us, but he was a man of faith, as we are called to be. And just as Jesus was concerned about his faith, about Peter's faith, he's concerned about our faith, that we would have faith to follow him, that we can endure the tests that come our way that are coming and will come. And so in considering this thought of having faith for the last days, well, it's really faith for our day. Faith for what he's calling us to do, for how he's calling us to walk. You know, faith for the last days is faith for mighty works. Faith for God to move through us, through move through our prayer, through our, our uh, words to other people. But we also know Satan is gonna be coming around with his sifter, seeking to uh, sift us like wheat to try and destroy and remove our faith, maybe through bringing trials and tribulations or so forth, but but what encourages my heart is that heaven is rooting for us. Heaven is, is praying for us. The Lord Jesus is continually praying for us that our faith would not fail, but it would grow and increase would remain strong. And as we receive those little seeds, those little words, uh, and we yield to them, that's the key too. We wanna be people of faith, but we wanna be people who are rich in faith and yield to it, because then we'll be rich in what comes from it, what springs up from it as we receive life. You know, really, when we're yielding to Christ by faith, we're placing ourselves like like Moses' mother placed him in that basket. And we're just launching out, Lord, okay, I'm, I'm going in this very uncertain way. I mean, it's like the Lord wanted, chose for, for her to place Moses in one of the most uncertain situations. But yet God brought life and deliverance through that. But that's the mystery of faith. Lord, why does this have to be so different and uncertain and, you know, where, where it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the end of the matter is. Well, that's the work of faith. But if we will bury ourselves in that baptism of Christ, in his death, and his resurrection, and let our that seeds of faith be with him as we yield ourselves to him saying, Lord, I surrender. I trust in you and your way the Lord promises then we will grow and we will experience the fruit of faith. And the result of that is our pathway will become brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you have freely given us faith from heaven and you're continuing to do that day by day, that you're calling us to walk from faith to faith. And Lord, we just ask afresh today that you would work in our hearts. Lord, that you would cause us to be people of faith. Lord, that you would plant that substance within us. And that Lord, we would be willing to surrender to you, to follow you, to yield to you. Oh God, and Lord, even to be buried with you in the baptism of the cross, that we can rise up in newness of life. Lord, we just cry out to you, Lord, even if, If there's things that are hindering our our walk of faith in you, Lord, we pray for your deliverance and we thank you, Lord, that as David prayed, you you will deliver us from all of our fears as we trust in you. Oh God, we just set our eyes upon you and we, we pray along with the disciples, Lord, increase our faith. And Lord, increase that ability in our lives to follow you and to trust in you, we ask. We thank you, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.
1: Amen. Thank the Lord for his word. Please stand with me. We'll close with that little chorus In Your Majesty. In Your Majesty, I come with contrite and broken spirit. In your majesty. My heart is in full surrender to you, oh holy God. My Father, in your majesty. To you I come. Let's sing it one more time. In your majesty, I come with contrite and broken spirit. In your majesty, my heart is in full. Father in your majesty to you I come I by in your majesty.
0: You know, I always wanted to take the opportunity, you know, as the Lord is speaking. Sometimes I'm just, you know, quickened that he's here and wants to give fresh impartation. And, you know, the thing that he loves to impart is faith into our hearts. And maybe we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. And, and maybe you're in a position where you need a, you need a fresh impartation of faith. You know, faith to, to hear, faith to respond, faith to believe and to follow in that pathway. And maybe you even need some strength to overcome the fears, strength to put that seed of faith in the ground and trust God to bring new life. And if you're in that position, just raise your hand to the Lord and say, Lord, I need that. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just look to you, Lord. You see the response in the hearts of your people, Lord. We're looking to you for faith, Lord, that you would increase it, that you would bring new faith and new life, Lord. And we realize that as we're doing that, we're we're saying, Lord, I, I give up. I surrender to you and to your way. Would you speak those words of life and give us grace to yield to them and to follow you in that and to be buried with you in that baptism of the cross and that we could be raised in newness of life and have that life increase and grow in us. Oh, Lord, increase our faith, we ask. Give us faith to move mountains, faith to endure, faith to triumph. We just thank you, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.